Welcome to This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkulo, and on this program, which we do most weekends, we wrap up the big stories of the week, expanding on them, especially those that have appeared on thisiscommonsense.org, Paul Jacob's website that he's been working on since 1999. This is for the final full week of August 2021. So, this was a big week for a lot of things. Afghanistan blew up in, in a, or imploded in an unfortunate way. Well, I, I think blew up is is probably the operative term uh unfortunately uh and i as as i was coming to record this uh i think the number now is 16 uh uh u.s soldiers killed and for the first time i heard a number of afghanis killed 160 that's a lot of people that's a lot of people and uh, so, boy, um, we we did not have a script this week that that talked about Afghanistan. We we uh, did one last week uh, at the beginning of the week to, you know, uh, kind of discuss the situation. It's uh, it's interesting that um, you know getting out is not so easy, and uh, I sure think it could have been done a lot lot better than it was done or is being done because. We ain't out yet, uh, but but uh, the truth is, it's tough to get out. It's uh, why I think you gotta you gotta think long and hard about getting in, and part of getting in is having a plan for getting out. Well, you have to have a reason to be there, and then when the reason is fulfilled, to leave. If you don't have a good reason to be there, you can never find a reason to leave, right? That's a very good point. Very good point. And I think they really lost the they lost what they were doing a long time before, because there was never going to be a place where we destroy the Taliban, as I you know as I, as I asserted last week. I just don't think that the Taliban was going to be destroyed, because they have everything to win by dying for their cause, and we don't have that, and we're not ruthless enough to do something you know completely Nazi like. So there you are. Part of the problem is it's not just, I mean, if the entire uh, Afghan society uh, was totally revolted by what this tiny percentage of, of uh, Taliban was doing, well, then, you know, they could, they could be stopped. Um, and, and, you know, but, but they're not going to be stopped because we occupy unless uh, in, in somehow the, the vast majority, and I'm not talking about 52%, I'm talking about 92%, uh, you know, are opposed to that sort of behavior. Um, and, and of course, you know, now, now we see that there are people worse, perhaps, than the Taliban. That's hard to, hard to figure, but, uh, but maybe the ISIS-K uh, um, 2.0 uh, is, is even worse. You know, it it uh, it it continually to me. I think about the the biggest problem in Afghanistan is Afghanistan, and it's tough enough to defend free peoples against tyranny coming from unfree peoples. It's very very tough to defend unfree peoples 
and where there are none of the building blocks. And I, I, that doesn't mean that there aren't people in Afghanistan and lots of people who want to be free right now and deserve to be free. But the building blocks of, of a civil society are not there. And uh, boy, uh, what a mess. Yeah, now we had, you had wrote several pieces on things happening outside of the United States this week. I can think, well, today's anyway, I, I remember, as done to the dogs. Uh, what, else, what else did you cover this week? Maybe we should go over every one of the pieces that you wrote. Right, bang, bang, bang. Well, to see what, what were they? Well, we we talked about the California recall, and that's that's uh, here in the good old USA. Recall and, legal scholars on Monday. Okay. Yes, and uh, political intimidation unmasked, uh, which I think was uh, one that if you could only read one script uh, this week, it, it's the feel good script. Uh, it's about a doctor in who happens to be on the on a uh, school board as well in Illinois, a uh, small town outside of Champaign-Urbana, uh, who they tried to kind of intimidate, threaten with him losing his license because he wasn't so sure he was in favor of a mask mandate for public school students, um, and that turned out and. And uh, maybe we deal with that right off the bat. Uh, the, the title is Political Intimidation Unmasked. And uh, the doctor's name is Jeremy Henricks. Uh, and, and, you know, they're having a debate there about whether school kids should be masked. He didn't think they should be. And all of a sudden he gets a letter from the medical board uh, the, the well, uh, I, I should take that back. It wasn't actually the medical board. It was the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. And they were asking him some questions and clearly threatening his medical license and his ability to practice medicine. And I think what they expected is, gee whiz, uh, he's going to knuckle under and, and he'll do what we want. And he didn't knuckle under. But the beauty of this story, uh, and again, it's at thisiscommonsense.org, um, political intimidation unmasked. The beauty is that he wrote a op-ed for the newspaper explaining his position, but that op-ed was co-signed by every other member of the school board. They all said, this is un-American. This is wrong. You're not going to intimidate us into taking a certain position. And clearly, as, as uh, uh, El Capo, uh, Tom, uh, who, who usually communicates, he gets common sense by email, which is uh, some people get it on Facebook or they go to the website. This is commonsense.org. Uh, common sense with Paul Jacob is... is uh, the uh, the address uh, or the whatever the call call words at uh, at Facebook. How's that for butchering any any sense of how to say that? I'll put um, it on screen. We'll we'll put that on screen for the people who are watching as opposed to listening. <laughs> for the people who've been deeply hurt by having me say it that crazily. But some people also get it by email. In fact, I've uh, 
you know, tens of thousands of people get it by email. But, but anyway, um, he said, you didn't go far enough. One of the things I love about Tom is that he regularly tells me I didn't go far enough. Uh, he's, he's, he's after your heart, Tim, Tim, because sometimes you're, you, you say, oh, Paul, you're too nice. I would have been much tougher. Um, but anyway, he said, these folks with the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation should be booted out of their positions. And maybe so. Uh, certainly, that ought to be brought up. And if anyone's under uh, investigation, it ought not be this doctor, it ought to be them. But nice to see here that not only was there that, that unity among people on the school board who said, we're not going to allow this kind of intimidation. But a state legislator decided, I'm going to begin an investigation. And that, I think, is what caused him to receive a letter from the wonderful folks at the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation saying that they decided that everything was fine. No need to worry about this. So it's just, it's uh, not, not that we need more evidence because there's so much of it, but people in power tend to do what they think they can get away with. And it's up to the rest of us to show them, nope, you can't get away with it. No siree, you can't get away with it. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that was on uh, uh, Wednesday. And that, uh, that to me is the feel good uh, story of the week. Today's uh, it, one is about the same subject, but in Australia, and is the feel bad story of the week, I guess. Yes, I was going to say it really is the feel bad story, and um, and I think it, it it's gotten pretty good reaction from people because um, sometimes people love. In fact, one person who who commented today uh, uh, said, you know, if he had a choice between the human race and his dogs, he'd probably choose his dogs. Uh, but this is the story uh, from last week, uh, late last week, that came out where in Australia, they had some volunteers with an a animal shelter who were coming to pick up some dogs. And the idea that they were coming to pick up the dogs was so terrifying to the uh, Berkshire Council that they decided the thing to do to fix the problem and make it to where everybody was safe and happy was to kill these dogs. And it's, you know, the interesting thing is uh, the folks, the volunteers who were taking time out to save these dogs had, of course, because they're responsible type people, like most folks are, they had already thought about how to do it without any fear. I mean, there's always going to be some fear, but they, I think, were masked and they had a whole protocol and everything else. They were not clueless. They wanted to do it in the safest possible manner. They didn't want to kill any people. Uh, of course, you know, we have, have New Zealand now that's locked down because, not because anyone died of COVID, but because they had one case. So, um, so it wasn't as if they just said, oh, to heck with any of the government mandates, which are outrageously ridiculous in Australia and are being enforced in a very draconian, 
uh, brutal even manner. We didn't talk about it in this particular script, but I th- I'm sure you've seen the, may have been you who sent me the, the videos of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you, if you look on YouTube or, or better yet rumble, um, you're going to see some police activity in Australia. That's just outrageous, just outrageous. And all because they want to stop anyone from protesting their mask mandates and their lockdowns. Um, this is, you know, uh, people do not want to live uh, and, and certainly don't want to fight a, a virus that they're likely to live from, even if they get by having all of their freedoms taking, taken away. But in, in this particular case, we're talking about public officials and maybe it's a little easier for people to think about it because it's dogs and not people. But our whole point was, what's next? If, if, if when folks are trying to save some dogs and are doing it in an absolutely responsible manner, the panic of public officials is so great that they murder the dogs, what do we expect is going to happen next? And especially considering what we just talked about in Illinois, what's going to happen next if we don't stand up and say, no, 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 this does not happen again. And so uh, this is commonsense.org, done to the dogs, uh, but the implication is uh, not that it's okay to do it to the dogs, mind you, but the implication is um, who's next? Might be uh, might be Homo sapiens. This is speculation, but I mean, we know that governments often ban things right before things get better, so they can take credit for the better. But they're right. also afraid that when things are going bad, that if they don't do something and be seen to do something, they have the excuse. They can take that power because things are getting bad. Right? That's their idea. It's, yes. It's, it's it's part of it. So there's they got us on both ends of this excuse they have. And the problem is, is that it's by freedom that we live. I mean, we, if we don't work and do commerce in our society, I mean, you hunker down and the people without enough savings of food and water and so forth, they die. Uh, and, well, and, and, and this has been, in the United States of America, this has been devastating for most of all, it seems to me, this last 18 months has been devastating for poor children who can't get any real education. You know, uh, I've got I've got two grandsons who, you know, my daughter and my son-in-law are are doing everything possible. And and I think they have not. I mean, they've suffered plenty, actually, but not suffered anywhere near as much as someone. You don't have Internet access or you don't have parents who are who are going to be there doing things, the whole idea behind public education isn't to kind of replace what what a lot of parents would be doing anyway. It is to help the disadvantaged. And because of the power largely of the teachers unions, because throughout this pandemic, the safest place to be has been public schools. And yet they get shut down because the teachers unions have the political power to shut them down. And this is being decided politically. And of course, that's what, you know, that's what we see. They are thinking of themselves. This case in in Australia, uh, where the dogs were killed, 
the folks coming to get the dogs weren't thinking about themselves or they'd stay home. They were thinking about the dogs. And in the process of thinking about the dogs, they were thinking about other people and not spreading any, any uh, virus. But the public officials who panicked were thinking about themselves. And so often, like you say, they're thinking about how is this going to play, not what's the right thing to do. And, and uh, you know, it, it's another argument. We don't talk all the time about term limits, but that's kind of how I cut my political teeth. But that's one of the benefits of term limits, that you don't allow someone to have such a political career that it's all about them and winning re-election and what's going to happen that will help me in the short term because I just have to get past the next election. It allows people to realize this is a short part of my life. This is not the end all and be all. This is a service position. I'm going to do my best and then hand it off to somebody else and have some level of, of humility, some level of perspective on what life is all about, that it's not all about you know, being a narcissist and, oh, if I get elected, it means I'm wonderful. Uh, you're wonderful if you're wonderful. It has nothing to do with getting elected or not. One of the things that I look at for perspective is that what is the basic rules of the game? And to me, the most basic thing of a liberal modern society is free speech. And they are cracking down on free speech in Australia. They're putting people who, bloggers and, and, and videographers and ranters on YouTube, and they're putting people in prison for, I guess, a $5,000 fine in, in Australia, I think it is, or is it a five years? It was five something uh, for, <laughs> no, that's, that's how my brain works. Like I got the, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, well, uh, what, what, whether it's $5,000 or it's five years in prison. Now five years in prison is a lot worse than $5,000. They can't be five. They, they can't, but still, but, but, but it again, it's a draconian punishment. And you know, at a certain point, most people look, there's going to be the criminal, the murderer, the, the thief, the malcontent who's, who's, you know, what we would call evil, who, you know, is not going to follow the rules. But if to get most folks to follow the rules, you have to be draconian and can't persuade them, then you need to look at the rules because people are more than willing, if they have been given any good reason, to follow, you know, the, the protocols, to follow what other people are saying is the right way to do it. Even oftentimes when they're not so sure how many people like myself, you know, I've been willing to wear a mask to go into some place. If it says, hey, you need a mask, I'm not going to I'm not going to do something that, the you know, if, I, if I'm mad enough about having to wear a mask, I'll go shop somewhere else. But generally, I'm willing to go along. But the moment you start to force people to do stuff, that's when I'm not willing to go along. That's when I'm willing to defend the person I disagree with. Because if the person I disagree with is not free, then I'm not free either. Not for long. So that that's, uh, you know, this, this pandemic has been a hell of a lesson in how easy it is to scare people and to blow up things as just you know I, I saw something that on on Facebook 
uh, earlier today that in my county, Prince William County, um, there are, what is it? I think it's 6.8% uh, of the county is believed to have COVID. That's from some sort of testing. You know, obviously they haven't tested any, everybody, so they don't know for certain, but that's, so that's, a, a, oh, that's serious. We all need to stay inside, except a year ago, it was 8%. So in the same, same month. So it's, it's like, wait a second, we can hype of the fact that it's this percentage, or we could look at it and say, hey, that's no higher than it was, you know, a year ago. So there's, the truth is, no matter whether it's okay, not so okay, terrible, catastrophically terrible, even at catastrophically terrible, panic doesn't help. Panic isn't the way to go. And, and the truth is, the more there's panic, the more there's resistance. If from the very beginning of this, freedom, respect people, respect their freedom, and give them information and then let people do what they're going to do. And, and the truth is government, which can use force would have been so wise to let business people whose goal is to get people to like them and keep coming to their store. And there's going to be some business people that maybe would have erred on the side of being too open to people doing things that would have spread the, the virus. But I suspect they would have been, for the most part, very close to that, very concerned about that, and willing to follow to the letter any good information they could get. And, and some people would say, well, but we can't afford anybody not doing it right. Well, live in the real world for a second. People don't do it right all the time. When people are threatening, I mean, there are some, some countries that if you have drugs, you're executed. Well, they execute people. It doesn't mean there's no drugs there. It's, it's the sort of thing that sometimes they think if, we, if the government demands it, then I don't have to look at the statistics to find out who's done it. Everybody's going to do what they're told. Even though we know, no, they're not going to do what they're told. And in fact, the more you're dictating to them, the more they're not going to do it. And not only are the malcontents not going to do it then, but people like me and like uh, Tim Verkula and other people listening to this show are not going to do it. They're going to feel a duty to resist that sort of draconian big government. There is another kind of related story on your docket this week uh, the piece on privacy with Chinese characteristics from Tuesday now that's not about COVID it's about computer privacy which is you know the, the free speech stuff and so forth but the funny thing about China's new uh, directives on uh, how they're going to protect their citizens is that they're only going to half protect their citizens well they're, they're going to protect their citizens and take credit they're going to protect their citizens from the private sector, which, of course, in China is kind of a funny term to even use. 
because they're always they have to agree you know they have to let communist party members be part of any money making operation they have to be willing to turn over anything the government wants at any time so it's it's sort of a very short rope of any sort of private but uh they have this new protocol that they're uh it's it's the personal information protection law that is providing some protection against companies using your information but no protection whatsoever against the government doing whatever the heck the government wants with that same information and uh i would love to see in the united states more protections for people as long as they don't end the freedom of companies and people to freely contract i think that you know and we've talked about this before there's links in this piece i encourage people to go take a look at privacy with chinese characteristics um but i want more privacy for me here in the united states of america i don't want that to come uh because we have some giant totalitarian government who can tell every business what to do and can prevent you or anybody else or me from contracting with a big tech company and then giving away certain bits of privacy um but as we point out again and again and again at thisiscommonsense.org these big tech companies and their power is not somehow divorced from government um and we'll have more to say on that uh next week because we've already done a a commentary that we'll talk about then showing that it, basically oftentimes some of the voices who are out there speaking about these things and uh are 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 looking to limit the competition against these uh any upstart to Facebook or YouTube or Google and they're doing it with government money with Google's money uh and google and the government you know sometimes it's a little tough to see where one ends and the other one begins so uh, a lot of the problems we're having with privacy and with big tech in the US of A it's not simply a corporate problem it's a governmental problem too well corporations are creatures of the state in some sense i mean they get a special well, license so there you go i don't know what to do exactly. not in not in some sense in in every sense i mean they they may be owned by private people and groups of people and so on and shareholders and, and but they were created by government and and it seems to me that that it's not a terrible idea to allow some corporate forms but let's not pretend that that uh the government isn't deeply involved in all of that and a government that regulates business on a minute level uh for whatever reason then can control it very easily by just threatening to crack down on a regulation and that's how the the mask mandates got to my area uh you know it's it's because of the governor of my state threatened the local business uh that they made me put on masks and uh I won't go into the local story did I ever tell you about the local store I won't go into no uh, it was the place I would shop the most but they put up a sign and it's right at the beginning of the uh lockdowns uh of the mask mandates and the, the sign said Inslee law mask 
mass necessary. <laughs> well, Inslee is my idiot governor, uh, yes. the idiot governor of our state that I live in, and uh, he doesn't create law. There is no such thing as Inslee law. Now he has a, he has some emergency powers, and I'm not saying that they're illegal, though I think they probably are. Uh, but the point is, is that I was offended by the fact that they were giving bad civics lessons. So I started getting testy, and I decided I wasn't going to go there anymore. Ah, <laughs> uh, I like that. And and think about when when you think about uh, what would have happened in Illinois with uh, Doctor Hendricks uh, had he knuckled under. And had he, instead of getting the rest of the board to say, well, that's outrageous, we're all going to fight it, he convinced the rest of the board, well, we really need these mask mandates because I want to keep my my license to be a doctor. And they voted for the mask mandate and they mandated all the school kids do it. Well, anyone who argued against that, they would have said, hey, this is democracy. This is a free society in which people vote and and decide these things. And who are you to say anything against it? No one would have known the different little coercions and intimidations that had taken place. And that's why when you see these sorts of things happen, we've got to react. And it's why when you find out all the ways that government is going after big tech on the one hand, and then signing contracts worth billions and billions of dollars with them, on the other hand, that this idea that they're somehow just private corporations, that uh, the government is not involved in any way in any censorship, that's bunk. And we know it's bunk. And, and so that's, uh, and, and we've had, you know, we call ourselves libertarians. If someone calls me a conservative, I don't get upset. If they call me a classical liberal, I wouldn't get upset. But the, the term I would most often choose for myself would be libertarian. Um, there are other libertarians who have been very doctrinaire about Google, Facebook. These are private corporations. And if you don't like how they're behaving, just shut up and don't have anything to do with them. But you have no right to complain and call it censorship or anything else. And first of all, the right to complain is, is that should be the First Amendment. Everyone has a right to bitch and moan and complain. That's what the, the truth is, us complainers, then we make the world a better place. Um, not always, but in the end. Uh, but uh, but but it's just not you're missing a big part of what's going on. And and, you know, when when government bullies private players in the free marketplace it's not a free marketplace anymore and that has to be recognized and and at this is commonsense.org we're recognizing it and talking about it all the time because in the end it, you know we're not looking for some academic freedom that is nice to read about in a book we're looking for a society in which there's robust debate in which you can say something and, and change the way people behave because they can listen and think about it and make their own decisions that are informed, not that are informed by only one narrow type of, of debate with all the other dissenting opinions shut out. So, and we're going to keep doing that uh, no matter how, how much other people who are also libertarian for the most part disagree with us.
there's two more pieces this week that you wrote, and I don't remember them. Uh, well, so that, uh, may, that may, puts it all in your ballpark. <laughs> well, I, I do remember them. I'm going to talk about the recall in California first. And, and just briefly, there was a piece on, on Monday, uh, recall legal scholars, question mark. Should we recall legal scholars? And I make an argument that if we had a process, maybe so, because there were two uh, UC Berkeley professors, Erwin uh, Cherminitsky. Uh, I didn't even get close to that. Uh, but since the, the film's rolling, I probably wouldn't get close if I tried it three other times because, you know, your 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 heart gets a moving. It looks uh, like Chemerinsky, by the way. Yes, you're right. And uh, and Aaron Edlin, Edlin, who is an, uh, a law professor and an economist at, at uh, UC Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley. And um, let me just tell you that there hasn't last time there was a recall, 2003, it was Gray Davis everybody and his brother nationally and not just democrats but republicans too you know because davis was a democrat who oh the recall this is insane this is crazy somehow it's undemocratic to allow people to collect signatures and to have a vote on whether they want to keep their governor or not i don't know how having a vote is undemocratic and and of course, Gray Davis then was recalled, the only the second governor in U.S. history to be recalled. So when people act like this is some wild and crazy process, voters have never used it in a wild and crazy manner. Everybody who's been recalled, whether I politically agree with them or didn't, they got recalled because the majority of the people did not want them to serve anymore. That's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. And you're about to hear all that same kind of nonsense. I've, I've seen it in the last couple of days. This was a Monday piece. It's now Friday night. Uh, after this piece, I've started to see the article saying, oh, this is such a crazy process. And that's basically what these two professors were saying, that it was undemocratic because in the, in the California recall, and it's somewhat unique, but I think it's not a terrible system. It's a good system. One, it's good to have the recall, but even the way they do it is, is not crazy at all. It makes some sense. They have a vote on the governor, or if it was a state senator or a state rep or a county commissioner, it'd be a vote on the office holder. And it's an up or down vote. So the office holder could get 49% of the vote, but he would then be out because 51% would have said, no, thank you. Why don't you go back to your private life? Have a good one, but we don't want you to be our governor anymore. That seems to me to be totally legitimate. Then there is a second part of the recall in California, which is at that very same time to allow anyone else to run for that office who wants to run for it. If the person being recalled, in this case, the governor, is not recalled and gets a majority of the people who say, we want you to stay. Well, then the second election, of course, still takes place, but it's it doesn't go in, you know, nobody gets elected. But because the second election tends to be a very wide open 40 candidates, 30 candidates, you know, a lot of different candidates who can run. And, and you know, sometimes for president, you might have 16 people on the ballot. Well, you only heard about the Democrat or Republican. It's not like people get terribly confused, you know. 
the peace, freedom and and uh, free beer party isn't isn't likely to win, even in a crowded field like that. But in a crowded field where you have a plurality winner, someone could get recalled 51 to 49. And then the person who replaces them only got 38 percent of the vote, let's say. Well, what these professors are saying, well, that's not fair because the recalled governor is getting defeated by someone who got fewer votes. What they're not saying is that these are two separate elections and the voters already decided not you. Now they're deciding who else and they have a right to make that decision. Now, if it were up to me and I had a crystal ball or I had the time and energy to go collect signatures and put something on the California ballot, I would probably use ranked choice voting to then have it to where you would get to a majority of the people who, as people fell off and you voted for, you know, the pre- peace, freedom and free beer party, uh, that candidate came in 30th. And his votes get uh, reallocated to whoever their second choice was. That's how ranked choice voting works. And you would get to a majority. There are different ways to deal with that. And I do it a little differently than California does it. But the idea that this is undemocratic, that we have to keep the Democrat, I, I promise you, these professors are not going to write this piece if it's a Republican governor being recalled. And, and arguably, Republicans who love this recall might not love it so much if it were a Republican governor being recalled. I like recall. I like recall even when somebody's recalling somebody I like, because I don't have this idea that I just get to get whatever I want, regardless of what the majority of people desire. So anyway, it's a silly idea to think that that uh, this is somehow undemocratic. And what was funny about this piece, which we ended kind of by saying, no, duh, uh, is that when, when these professors were interviewed by uh, the California paper, they were asked, well, isn't it possible that the court would see this as two separate elections? <laughs> and then they sort of said, well, they could see it that way. And then, of course, all their equal protection arguments are completely ridiculous. Well, it is two separate elections, fellas. Count one, two. You know, it's and in fact, years ago, there was a court case uh, that involved this. And and one of the things that was being argued is that if you didn't vote in the recall, you couldn't vote for one of the candidates to replace that person. And the court said, no, 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 no. You can vote in both elections or one and not the other. But but this is people are free. These are two separate elections. And I know that college professors who are renowned for all their all their studies and books about legal theory. I know counting to two is tough. I've met sometimes I go right to three. I, it's like, you know, what can you do? But hey, in this case. Uh, it's two separate elections, guys. Now, the the other piece, well, you might have something to say about uh, California recall, Tim. As I understand it, there have been, there's Gray Davis, who was replaced with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and there's this Gavin Newsom character who may be replaced by Bill Elder. We'll see. 
Larry Elder. Larry Elder. Oh, it's not Bill. I'm gonna have to. I I, I put that wrong. Who's Bill Elder? I don't know. I think he's a friend of mine on Facebook. Anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) and he might make a better governor than than Gavin Newsom. So, but you said there was also a one of the Dakotas had a uh, recall many years ago. Is the 1920s, and the the governor was a communist. I mean, I think he admitted to being a communist, and uh, and I, I don't think they recalled him because he admitted to being communist. I think they didn't like his policies, and so then they booted him out because they did elect him, and I don't think he hid that. Uh, it was a different time. Uh, most of the communists today don't call themselves communists, but uh, but anyway, this has happened so rarely. Uh, back when Gray Davis was was recalled, you had several big city mayors being recalled. And every once in a while, you'll get a recall against a mayor who just crushes the recall. And obviously, in that case, uh, it wasn't a very good idea to try to recall them. It tends to make them stronger because it shows, hey, I really do have a tremendous amount of support. But I remember there were complaints, the National Association of Cities, or I may have screwed up what their actual name is, but it's something along those lines. Um, they came out with this report about how terrible recall is. And one of the recalls they mentioned was they were recalling the mayor in Miami. That recall succeeded. 91% of the people who voted in that recall voted to recall the mayor. Now, I, I have to say, I don't have to, you only have to give me chapter and verse if 91% of the voters say, hasta la vista, baby, uh, we don't need you as mayor anymore. I think that that's a good process. And I think that mayor needs to go. So uh, it, but it's been used very infrequently. It has not been used in a, in a nasty way. I mean, because it, it is costly for an office holder. Uh, there was a case in, in uh, California just a few years ago uh, where a senator was recalled over some votes and then came back after being recalled and won re-election at the next election. The guy who replaced him ran, but he beat him. And uh, I guess people got over why they were mad at him. That same, and we wrote a script about it earlier this year, he came back with legislation to make it much, much tougher to recall someone and also to be able to find out who signed the recall. In California, when you sign a petition, it goes to the state and it is not public record. Now people can come in and look at them, check signatures and so on, but there is not a, under the Freedom of Information Act and so on, in a lot of states, you can get that information. Who signed this petition? Not in California. And this state Senator was attempting to change that so that he would be able to find out who signed a recall petition against him. And once that sort of hit the, the uh, airwaves, uh, he backed off and he was wise to do that. But again, this is a good process. We elect them. We ought to be able to decide when it's time for him to go. I love term limits, but there are times where you can't wait till the end of a term. And again, you step back and you look at the use of recall in this country, very rarely used. And in my mind, when it's done successfully, it's always because the person recalled richly deserved it. Well, if we remember uh, California in the early 2000s, Gray Davis really did muck up the energy business. 
And since Gray Davis's time, California has spiraled into chaos in a number of ways. Uh, the yes. whole state, many big cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles have homeless problems you wouldn't believe. And it just it's just astounding what's happening. And then there is the fact that Gavin Newsom is a COVID tyrant. And that's, I probably will, Larry Eller will probably have a lot of it was cachet coming from the fact that he's against mask mandates and lockdowns. Yeah. And, and being a, a, a COVID tyrant is, is likely to hurt Newsom in this case, but I've been a little bit surprised and disappointed in how scared I think the electorate is. And I'm not sure it would hurt him so much, except that, these mandates don't seem to apply to him and people may remember he he had uh, he had ever nobody could go to dine indoors but here he is shown to be dining indoors at a birthday party with lobbyists i mean uh, maybe he thought hey if you're doing it with a lobbyist isn't that okay um but he did it and then of course when he got caught someone spilled the beans was before they had pictures. And so he explained, I'm sorry, but we were outside. We were socially distanced. So, okay, I mean, come on, give the guy a break until the pictures came out. And then you realize he's not just a hypocrite, not just a tyrant, not just a hypocrite. He's also a liar because it was inside and they were not socially distanced in any way, shape or form. I mean, pictures do not lie. So his credibility is zero uh, with every, anyone who's not already a democratic party apparatchik. And, uh, and so uh, he's in a lot of trouble on that score. Um, I do think, you know, for, for him to be recalled is very tough in a state like California that is so overwhelmingly Democrat. Um, and of course, if Larry Elder wins, which he might, if, if Newsom is recalled, it'd be a heck of a breath of fresh air, I think, in California. But even then, the legislature will have a veto-proof majority, uh, or yeah, uh, where they a can override any. Basically. They have a yeah. supermajority yeah. of Democrats. Yeah. Super, yes, and so there's no veto that they can't override without a single Republican vote. But still, I think it would be, he would have a bully pulpit and the ability to speak to some of the problems. Uh, crime in California seems to be out of control. Well, no wonder, I don't know if folks have seen the pictures of people just running out of stores with all kinds of merchandise in their arms, knowing that no one's gonna stop them. And in, in San Francisco, they pretty much said, Unless you're stealing over six hundred dollars, or was no, it? I think 12? it was a thousand. I thought it was a thousand. Yeah, maybe yeah. I think maybe you're right. It was. So, in, unless you unless you're really able to carry a lot of stuff out of the store, no one's going to arrest you. No one's going to prosecute you. Now, who wants to open up a business in a state in which someone can come in and steal a thousand dollars from you, and the authorities go, "Eh, no big deal, no big deal," and what does that? kind of message does that send? And then, of course, you've got all this homelessness. You've got tents all over the streets in L.A. and San Francisco. And why? Well, because they have so many 
housing mandates that it's it's so costly to build there that the price of, of mortgages and rents are sky high and people cannot afford them. Look, in where I am in Northern Virginia, we've got people living in the woods and uh, because they can't afford housing, they are, they've got generators. They've got, we hike a lot. And sometimes every once in a while you run into one of these kind of camps, they've got, uh, you know, it's not a bad place to live. You know, if, if, if you're comparing it to living, you know, in the woods, you'd kind of think that was rough. Well, they, these are, these are pretty entrepreneurial people and they've got, they've got generators. You see a TV set where they're doing it somehow through the generator and, and uh, you know, and, and most people I know do not want the authorities. It's almost always on public property. I don't want the authorities going to cause these people problems. And most people I know don't want them to. Uh, now they're not on main street. They're not in everybody's way. But, um, but the problem is that the rents are too high. And the reason the rents are too high here, I don't think it's quite the regulatory morass that California is, but you have, you know, I know so many young people who will say, well, thank goodness, our rent is subsidized. And I always point out to them, that subsidy is not for you. That subsidy is for the landlord. And we've written stuff about, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it next week, that they just, uh, yesterday, uh, the Supreme Court finally struck down this moratorium on evictions. Uh, look, I, I don't want landlords to get ripped off, but I also don't want landlords to get subsidized. And the reason these are subsidized for the landlord and not for the people renting is because without these subsidies, if people couldn't afford the rent, what's the landlord going to do? He's invested all this money in this big apartment complex and nobody can afford to live there. He's going to go bankrupt. He's in a lot of trouble, but he's not going to go bankrupt without seeing if he can lower it just a little bit and maybe get some people. Oh, I didn't get enough people to, to uh, sign up for rent. I better lower it a little bit more. And, and so the, one of the reasons the rents stay so high is because Uncle Sam is subsidizing the rent. And that money is going to help the landlord. It's not making the, the renter any richer, but it is making the landlords richer. And I'm against subsidizing poor people other than through charity and so on. And, you know, the first thing to cut wouldn't be, you know, help for the poor or aid for dependent children and so on. But these things are not as good as, as charity, where people are helping people in need. When you create these programs, you have a tendency to lock people into those programs. And the tendency, I think, is to help the business interests who are in and around that. In other words, the rent subsidies are keeping rents high and helping landlords, not helping the renters. That's four out of five commentaries on thisiscommonsense.org this week. The fifth one was from, I guess that would be Wednesday? Slackers Unite? I think that was Thursday. I could be wrong. No, Actually, it's, I, it's, it's it, Wednesday. It was Wednesday. You're right. This is That's a first. We should have some kind of celebration. No, I'm just kidding. But oh, uh, By the way, I should also mention, I'm not going to edit out the piano music that I've been hearing in the background. I don't know if you've been hearing it. <laughs> 
I did uh, hear. Is that your cat? My, it's my cat walking on my piano, and I could edit it out, but I just am not going to. So you're going to have a little avant-garde uh, music in the background for some of the parts of this uh, podcast. Sorry. I, I think what it was, I know how your cat and your dog are so competitive. We were talking about dogs, and the cat thought, wait, wait, hey, how come I'm not part of this thing? And so that's why your cat was walking on the on the piano. I, I need to remember to, you know, turn off the digital piano. I mean, that's just, that's a, that's a <laughs> rational thing to do, but it's usually always on, it's just on. But the nice thing about the cat in the room is that it takes the dog out of the room. He gets jealous uh-huh. and gets in a huff and leaves, and yes. he's much noisier than the cat, other than the piano. Okay, very yes. good. So let's go back. This slackers unite. I do remember the piece now. And and uh, this is, I, I think, the one that got the most comments from people uh, during the week. It was, uh, uh, I think, clearly the one that that people were most uh, most wanted to talk about. And there have been several pieces in the New York Times about what's called lying flat. And the idea is that sometimes people don't want to do anything. They just want to lie flat on the ground and relax. And of course, you know, it, this is, this is uh, in China. And so you kind of see that in a, in a sense, it's kind of like an Atlas shrug type protest against, you know, you want me to produce everything under your control. Maybe I'm not so into that. So you can see that angle to it. But it's also, I think, uh, especially here in the U.S. of A., there is this attitude that somehow we have to work too hard. Everything should come easier. We need a, a uh, uh, you know, a basic income provided, uh, universal basic income, UBI, provided by the government. And I think it's always important to point out to people that if nobody produces anything, there is nothing to redistribute. There is nothing to consume. And that those who want to end poverty, you don't want to end production because you're not going to end poverty any other way than producing abundance. And that's what, that's what capitalism or the free market, as I prefer to call it, that's what it produces. And uh, I, I kind of think that the whole idea of lying flat uh, well, well, we use three examples in this piece, and it's interesting that in one of the cases, it was someone who had worked and had some savings and decided that he could live more cheaply, and so he was going to lie flat for a while. And I, can, I have no problem with that at all. He's choosing, you know... First of all, he's he. The other two, one of them was was living with their parents, uh, and so you know, look, if if you want to relax, if you don't need as much money as somebody else, I'm sure not going to have hold anything against you for not working extra hours to make money that you don't feel like you need. Um, this person was self sufficient, and so his lying flat, I, I applaud, but. The other folks who want to just lie flat, who want to do it on somebody else's, you know, nickel, that's not okay. And I don't respect that. Uh, I abhor it. And and really, I think the, the, the real thrust of this piece is 
if you want the world to be a better place, it takes some work. It doesn't come free. It doesn't come by lying flat. And as we point out, you know, uh, what, what is lying flat throughout all of human history? Lying flat has usually been something that somebody does when they're deceased and lying in their coffin. And that's not what we wish for, uh, for all of our listeners and all, of, all the people out there not listening. We'd like you to get up and have a great life. Well, you know, that almost sounds like the end of a podcast. I think so. And we're under an hour. Okay, well, thanks. We'll get this in the docket of uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, and uh, all those little podcatchers out there. And it'll be up on the uh, website, thisiscommonstance.org, this weekend. Thank you very much, Tim. Okay, see ya. Bye.